Oh, she's got a hangover. You just went live and said that. Calm down, Sandy. Okay. Thanks for calling me out live on Facebook. I didn't call your last name. Thomas. Thomas. <laughs> Friend me, people. Sandy, Sandy. Sorry, I'm a little hyper. Just a little bit. All right. There's one young lady. There's Kay Fairchild, another young lady. I better say that. <laughs> Hi, Kay. Okay, we've got three. Uh, I was thinking about this this morning about uh, teachers, you know, professors, uh, high school teachers or whatever. You know, most of our life when we sit under a teacher uh, in any kind of form of education out there, that teacher taught a particular subject. And there really was not a lot of continuing education on that. I mean, if they taught math, they taught math. And, you know, they would teach algebra or high school math or, or whatever. And they taught the same thing year after year after year after year, unless they got bored with it and went and started teaching something else. But they, they taught that level of understanding, and that's it. But the teachers that we need to be hearing today are, are you know, what I, I talked when Jesus said he was going to send many more he, he didn't say he was going to send the holy spirit he said he's going to send many more comforter teachers or father would and a comforter teachers are not like a professor or a high school student or, or whatever where they teach year after year the same subject with no change you know if i went to my teacher in high school particularly my typing teacher miss eckstein uh, she taught typing on a one of those old-fashioned electric typewriters, a keyboard, and she taught it year after year, and there was no change. Eventually, somebody else came along with more knowledge, right? And then they came up with the computers and, and a processor that would type faster and faster, and that would keep up that keep up with whatever speed you could go at. And um, so they never stopped. Uh, a comforter teacher never stops learning. Uh, what, what they teach, what they explain constantly and unfolds, I don't want to say evolves because it's a truth that's already there, but it's constantly unfolding. So if you think you've heard uh, all that I have to teach, you're wrong, or Kay has to teach, you're wrong, or any other comfort or teacher that's really been used to grind out the word, because the truth is all there. There's no more truth. The truth is already there, but that's the understanding of the truth that's coming forth. And so we, we see things with more and more light. Just like this series I'm teaching right now, No Penal Substitution, uh, Kay, Kay taught it uh, several years ago. I forget how many years it was, but she might put it on Facebook. But several years ago, and there was, I think there was like 17 audios, but since then, she has more understanding. And since then, I have more understanding. And every time that we, if we were to spend our lifetime rewriting just those two books, every time we'd go back from the beginning and teach it again, there would be more knowledge. And that's what we want, because I don't want to be stuck in the knowledge that I had 25 years ago, or my perception. And so uh, I just say, does, uh, what happens is if you're, you're ascertaining and seeking and desiring to know and understand more and more and more, then your story is going to change, right? If the first time you met me, uh, personally, you guys right here, the very first time I met me, if you're still telling the same story that you told back then, then you don't know who I am today, right? And so what the religiosity has done is they've been telling the same story over and over and over. 
You know, just like we tell the Christmas story and the Easter story, and we tell the Romans' road to salvation. We There's whole books, volumes of books about the Romans' road to salvation, and it keeps getting told over and over and over, and it's not present truth right now. It's not, and that's what we want is we want present truth, what we're able to hear today. And that's what changes the world. That's what changes us. So that being said, the uh, last couple of weeks I've been uh, in our first uh, chapter of No Penal Substitution for Volume 3. And we've been talking about resurrection. Last week we talked about resurrection. I'm going to continue on that for an, uh, probably another couple of weeks. But the first thing uh, the resurrection of Jesus is, it is the testimony of the Lord. It's not the testimony about Jesus. It's the testimony that Jesus gave in his earth walk. And it is a testimony of God's unchangeable purpose. And it's a testimony of God's love for all people, world without end. And whereas the testimony of man's is a performance-based religion, right? The testimony of man whose breath is in his nostrils, whose understanding comes from the sensory knowledge as he would, they teach and they give a validity to the mistaken identity in, in Adam and man. And that's what they do. In all of our lives, every one of us can probably say this, we sat under teaching that, that really gave a validity to everything we thought that Adam sinned and we are of Adam and we're sinners and we need a Savior to come and do something for us and pay the price for us to appease our Father. So after man fed on teaching of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, they identified with what was taught and we all did that before. And I know you've heard a lot of this before, but it's good to hear it again. You know, uh, I remember Barbara Ward years ago. She sat and listened to us many, many times. At one time she heard and something clicked and she got it. Do you remember algebra <laughs> or geometry or, or whatever? And, you know, it was just like, oh, my gosh, I, I don't understand. I don't understand it. And all of a sudden, boom, you get it. Uh, I'll use an example of uh, my photography skills. I love photography. I love, I see beauty in everything. and I like to capture it with in photography, but I didn't know how to use manual settings. So I was always one that used automatic, which most people do because they don't want to invest the time or they don't think they can learn how to take manual settings. So I went online and I paid for a course. I downloaded, I think I have nine videos and I watched them. And the first time I watched them, it's like, uh, what, you know, started talking about apertures and this and that. <clears throat> I watched it again, but I, but, but I didn't give up because I want to be able to take pictures manually because you can get a lot better quality pictures. That's when people look at you and say, wow, you have a great camera. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's not the camera. It's my ability to do the settings and to be able to see whatever it is. So finally, one day after I watched those things probably four or five or six times, all of a sudden the light went off and I got it. And there's three particular settings on a, on a camera that you had to set and make them complement each other where you get a perfect picture. And to me, that's a great picture of, of feeding on the revelation of Jesus Christ. You don't always get it the first time, right? And so, but if you just keep feeding and you realize it's worth it because what I've been feeding on hasn't brought any help to me whatsoever. And so if we don't, then we identify with that teaching of the knowledge of good and evil. It's just like me, if I didn't really learn how, then I just say, well, I can't do it. So I'm going to have to trust these automatic settings. And you don't always get a really good picture that way. And so I don't want to identify with what I was taught because what did it do? It brought self-condemnation. Self it confirmed the self-condemnation already. 
because every time you did something that didn't line up with who you thought you should be, you condemned yourself, right? You always did. And then that produced that false identity. And there's only one identity that we have. Everybody on planet Earth has one identity. They are the face and the image of God. And so if we sit there and say, well, I'm this, I'm that, well, you're lying to yourself. <laughs> you know, I'm not, even to the point that I'm German, I'm Indian, I'm Russian, I'm black, I'm white. Yeah, that might be what you're on the outside, but that's not who you are. Correct? And so these, what happened is they were taught the great lie, which continues to today. And again, people would rather believe the lie than the truth because it's familiar. And we like things that are familiar. We don't like change. I've been to a lot of homes in my uh, careers, uh, orphan exterminating and then in the furniture industry, going to kind of help people, show them how to take care of their homes uh, and decorate their homes. And then also in the funeral industry, I've seen some horrible situations. I've seen hoarders. I've seen just bad stuff, but they're familiar with that. Why would a person hoard? It's their possessions and they're familiar. So if I went in there and cleaned that out, it would cause great is the consternation. <laughs> constipation <laughs> it would cause all kinds of problems because you're taking away that which is familiar and that's what happens when we teach the truth that will make you free it, it's 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 removing or seeking to remove that which was familiar and it's a very difficult thing to do why do you think jesus had a hard time right and so don't be surprised when you come out and you begin to teach the truth that people reject you and get mad at you they're going to you might as well just know what's going to happen Father told me that a long time ago when he, when he spoke to me and told me what he's going to do in my life and, and showed me Jeremiah and compared it to that. And, he, and I heard they will reject right then. So why did I ever cry about it, Ann? <laughs> you know, if I, ever, if I ever whined to you guys, you need to say, well, didn't God tell you that? <laughs> you know, but you don't want people to reject you because rejection is not fun. I want people to hear the truth because I love them. So the great lie makes claim that it altered Father's purpose. It altered Father's holy breath, which we know is what the Catholic religion put in as spirit. So if you want to say spirit, that's fine. But it altered it. It believed that it altered it to a degree where Father required a sacrifice for the whatever kind of sin we said that we were doing. So his holy breath would come back into us, right? And so there again, you get that teaching that you had to get saved. So Jesus could come into your life and you have to, you know, then the charismatic type churches teach us that you have to receive the Holy Spirit as though you don't have the holy breath of God. And then the evidence is you have to talk in tongues. And then there's all kinds of lists that goes on, on and on and on that has showed us how God could restore all that back to mankind as though we lost it. And you never lost anything. You just lost your awareness. You were put to sleep from who you really were, or you were never taught. There are a lot of people on planet Earth that's never been taught any truth whatsoever. But I believe if people would could, if they would get dissatisfied and realize what they've been taught and what they're studying is not bringing any help to them, I believe they can say, Father, I'm, I'm tired of all this. I'm ready to hear you. And that's called worshiping the Father and Spirit and truth or in breath and truth. That means begin to ascertain and seek to know Father and not your religion and not what your religion taught. And that happened to me many years ago, right after our probably 
five or six, seven years after I met Brother Garner and the Lord began to speak to me that I can stop transcribing and that he was going to dictate to me. And I'm saying he because that's what we say. And I threw away about an 850 book uh, library because finally I decided that's not doing anything for me. I was proud of it, wasn't I? Look at all these books I've read, <laughs> you know, but they didn't help me whatsoever. Unfortunately, they don't come to my remembrance anymore either. So most religions before Jesus' passion uh, teach each individual person needed their own sacrifice. You know, they talk about how we need to bear our cross and they don't explain what that means. They, so they say we needed some kind of sacrifice. And then after the resurrection, uh, they would teach that we needed forgiveness and we needed to get saved. So there was always before and after, it was all about something that we needed to do. And it was never about the father. And that's why I like the story of the prodigal son. It's not about the son, it's about the father. The whole thing is about the love of the father. And so furthermore, they teach the need for forgiveness is a lifetime need. I mean, my gosh, I don't know how many times I ask God to forgive me. And that would just be, to me, really silly. Uh, it's just like my wife. If, if I just keep messing up and keep messing up and I say, forgive me, for, pretty soon she's not going to forgive me anymore. So then they came up with the unforgivable sin. And everybody's got their own translation of what blaspheme in the Holy Spirit is. Well, you know, I am Holy Spirit, correct? I, I, I'm breath of God. I've got the Spirit of God inside of me. So there's nothing can separate me from that, right? None whatsoever. I believe we can grieve our father just like my children grieve me, but it doesn't separate me from them. It's a grieving like they're sad for them, not a grieving like you've hurt me or you've hindered me. When my children mess up, yes, they, it hurts me. It, it, it affects me, but it doesn't hurt me in their relationship one, one bit. They're still my child. And, and so I, I'm grieved at what I see them going through. I know the choices you make, you're going to have some problems. And that, that's where our father is. He doesn't want that to happen for us, to us. So as these truths were unveiled, we clearly see God never needed a sin sacrifice. He never needed anything to uh, appease him. He never required dead animals for a sin sacrifice, nor did he need blood. That would be a very vicious God, wouldn't it? And so this here, that very teaching confirms what it said in Romans, where they made God like their own false gods. They made them like in the image of animals, in their image of man, because they thought man always needed appeasement all the time. You know, if, if I'm going to love you, then you're going to have to toe the road. You're going to have to do exactly what I want you to do, right? And so they made God that way. And man is the one who needed. Man is the one that required all that to help them feel saved. Because man didn't feel saved. Right? You ever not felt loved? And sometimes you wanted your spouse or your family to do certain things to help you feel loved? Well, those are feelings. Feelings will lie to you. Feelings come and go. You know, I, I can make Donna feel loved by giving things to her, but what if I forget to give her something in the next two or three or four or five months, all of a sudden, because it's a feeling, then she can begin to feel, well, Roy must not love me because he's not still giving me presents or he's not telling me he loves me enough. So in chapter two of our books on no penal substitution, I believe it's the first chapter in there, it, it explains the real meaning of forgiveness. 
chapter 2 of our second volume, a no penal substitution. One thing we really need to understand is God for hyphen gave everything that we need from the foundation of the world. A lot of places where it talks about forgave and they put it in there in a sense that he had to forgive us for something. No, it's he forgave. He forgave us life and life more abundantly. He forgave us everything that we need that pertains to life and, and godliness. Before. He, before time. It's just like when there was a car, when I buy a car, the people that made that car forgave that car everything that it needs to run if I take care of it. To run for a long, long, long time. They forgave the motor. They forgave the piston. They, for, they put it in there. And so I don't have to worry about it. When I buy a car, all I've got to do is put gas in it and a key in it and start it and run. And then just do the maintenance. Put oil in every once in a while. If it says it's got low tires, put some air in it. You know, whatever. And so literally, if we would just tend to this garden and tend to the planet earth this whole earth and all people have everything that they need already and that's really to me the greatest meaning of forgave then there's forgiveness and i discussed that with somebody on the facebook the other day there were some comments about needing to be forgiven and so i gave them the greek word for it and everything but they still wanted to say that that was the forgiveness of sins but it doesn't say that it says if you confess your faults one to another you can, uh, you can be forgiven. In other words, it can be, excuse me, healed. That's what it means, healed. And another place that says if we confess our faults, which is our mark missings to our Father, it's, instead of forgiven, it says he's faithful to drive that away from you. I like what John Cahill said many years ago. I love John Cahill. And he, he said that uh, God won't take from you. Huh? He won't take your friends away from you. He won't take friends from and then he said something else and I just lost it but it'll come back in a little bit but he was talking about forgiveness and and literally it says if you if you just say father I've got a problem that I'm struggling with every time I drive by Brahms or every whatever I just I, I, I like ice cream and I'm having a hard time with it it says he's faithful to drive that away from you how does he do that he reveals him as the as what you need what you're getting from the ice cream he reveals that he's the peace. He speaks to you like the apostle uh, Paul was told when Paul said, Father, I'm struggling with the, a sin, and that sin is religion. I'm struggling. I'm wanting to use that to try to impress people. I'm thinking maybe if I can teach them a little bit of the law, that I might get them to convert. And he, and he said, please deliver that for me. So it's the same thing. Forgive me, right? It'd be the same thing. And he said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, my holy breath, my spirit is sufficient for you. It's inside of you. Draw from the mind, that, that your new mind, your, the mind that you've always had, the mind of Father God. And so we don't need, and it's so hard for people, we don't need to stand around asking God to forgive us all the time. Now that doesn't mean, oh, I can just go do what I want. Well, yeah, you can, but there are consequences to it and some consequences are very destructive and bring destruction in your life and that's your choice you make but there's nothing father again holds against me and I, I need to do nothing to cause God to love me more and I certainly don't need to forward an email to 20,000 people or share a Facebook post to 20,000 people and I'll be blessed and I don't need to ask 25,000 people to pray for me so I can be healed although 
I, if there's 25,000 people out there praying for me, keep praying. But don't ask God to do something that he's already done. Just pray, Lord, protect Roy and help him as he translates scripture. Help him to hear you clearly. Yes. Right? Yes. So the resurrection and the period of the Lord revealed Father's eternal purpose for men. And I, I was just thinking about this this morning when I was updating this teaching and everything because I typed a lot of this out several years ago. But he, his purpose was not for us to live a short time and die was not for us to live a short time and die. Oh, they lived to be 85 years old, man. They lived a great life. Well, that's a, that's, see, that's time with man. That's not what God intended for us. God intended for us to live and not be affected by age and time and all that other stuff. So it was revealed to us in men from the before time began and we could say in Christ, if you want to, to uh, before time began to impinge upon man, before time began to change man. See, we're still aware of time, right? So does it not change us? It does because we're aware of it. We allow time to change us because we spend so much time thinking about time. Every day we think about time. You know, what time's this appointment? What time's that appointment? I don't have enough time. Or I'm always thinking about time in the future, and so I'm not living in the now. And so Father's purpose was never subsided, it never diminished, it never lessened, it never decreased one bit at all. In 2 Timothy 1.9, I'm going to read one verse if you want to turn there or just write the note down. But it says, who hath, and the word say, but it literally means rescued, who hath rescued us, what did he rescue us from? He rescued us from a false identity, from religiosity or whatever. But we can also say he, he forgave us from the foundation before, before time began to affect us. And it says, and hath called us with a holy calling, not according to what? Works. Not according to works. See, if we would have known our word... And a preacher got up and started beginning to say, you need to fast, you need to do this, you need to serve in the church, you need to do this to please God. You should say, wait a minute, God told the Apostle Paul that this is not by works. Now, I don't mind working in the church, but I'm not doing it to get God to bless me. I don't mind giving people money. I think we should give people money. People who feed you, you should give them. I mean, ask Sue Nickel what will happen if you go to that the, uh, restaurant she works at and you sit down and they feed you and they bless you with the food and you walk out and don't pay. They'll call the police. And if you don't tip the next time you come in, the waiter might spit in your food. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> so it says, but... Not by works, but according to one's... It, this is what's interesting. It doesn't say according to Jesus or whatever. It says according to one's own purpose and grace. I have a purpose in me and I have a grace in me. You have a purpose in you and you have a grace in you. And it's God's... I, I don't want to jump ahead of myself. I'll explain it to you in a second. But it says according to one's own purpose and grace, which was revealed to us by Jesus before the world came. The, by Christ, if you would or by the future, and Jesus came to reveal it to us. And so, in this, and that was paraphrased, so 
if you're reading King James. But in this verse, the word purpose is prothesis. I'm sure I'm not pronouncing it right, but it's spelled P-R-O-T-H-E-S-I-S. And it means a setting forth or a proposal as an intention. Specifically, it says the showbread as exposed by Father God. Well, see, the table of showbread in the tabernacle of Moses was what the priests were to eat on in the seventh day and the day of rest. We're in the seventh day. <coughs> it was a picture of the, the passion of Jesus Christ. The uh, six stacks of bread, six stacks of bread. In other words, what Jesus did, what he revealed, and then our identification. And you fed on that. And what was in between those loaves of bread? You guys know, look at the table showbread in your mind. What was in between those loaves of bread? There, it was sitting on the table in a cup, but, oh, cup. but the, wine. the wine, see, I knew you knew it. <laughs> it's so hard when you ask a question, you knew it, but there was wine there because they fed on it. And when they fed on it and they had the revelation, wine represents joy. And so it brought tremendous joy when they understood that. And so this is a real nugget that I want you to see from this. When you go to the root word, protha, it's prothamia. It's number 4388. It means to place before, to, 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 excuse me, to determine and to exhibit oneself. So literally, we are Father God's showbread. He exhibits us through himself. This is the way he exhibits because you cannot see breath. As I've said before, you can't see wind. You know, spirit is like wind. It, 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 it affects things. It moves things. It changes things. I mean, wind is powerful. Wind can level a city. Wind can level a problem in your life. I've heard times when wars go on and back when they had the big, big boats and their cells and everything and a wind would come in and just level their enemy. Right? It's just talking about the power of wind and Jesus compared spirit to wind or breath to wind. So literally we are the breath of God being exhibited in this earth. And a further Greek word study will reveal other root words denoting an upright and active position to stand and abide, which are all of humanity's true position. Father put us here in an upright position. We wasn't just some kind of little creature that were coming and we were here to serve God and to please God and someday life might be better. And I... You know, I hate to talk about it a lot, but there's just a lot of people out there that that's their hope one of these days. So it's either going to be one of these days, something's going to happen here and God's going to decide to bless me or after I die and nobody's ever living. Very few people are living as Kay Fairchild. I mean, uh, Kathy Sims said now, you know, she was saying it's now is the time. And the Apostle Paul said it is high time that we wake up. And so we are grace, we were grace before time began to affect man with holy breath of our creator father. And we never lost it, never lost it. No matter how people present themselves, no matter how you see them or whatever, they are breath of God, holy breath of God, just like you are. So the apostle Paul again prayed three times for help and that he would no longer depend on his religious upbringing 
He was highly educated by the Jewish system or whatever. And again, my, uh, our father said, my grace is sufficient for you. So no matter what temptation comes in your life, no, what, no matter what struggle comes in your life, the only thing we need to be aware of is we have the same mind in us that Jesus had in him, which was the mind of God. And if you don't know what to do, just say, Father, by faith, I draw, I may, I, by faith, I make a connection to the awareness of you. And I, I'm telling you, there's nothing that we don't need to understand that can't come to us whatsoever. We can do it. So Father is always in our life. And if we only reach within, there's no hindrance. There's, there's nothing at all. And it says son, which is singular because we are one man, yet many members. You know, when, when Brother Garner, uh, uh, when we started going there and he taught six steps of the throne, Paul's system of truth, I always liked how he talked about the one-man plan. And, and back then, again, we, we believed in penal substitution. We, so we taught that Jesus was that one man and we were in Jesus. Well, we are in Jesus because we're all one. But the one-man plan is the man that we were in from the foundation of the world, the man that God imaged into his mind, Adam. And that's not just one man, in my opinion, it's all men. You know, when me and Donna married and we imaged into our mind that we were going to have three children, they're all one with us. They have our DNA, right? So that's, that was our one man plan with our three children. They're one man with many members, many, many manifestations, many talents, all that, but there's just one man. And so that's why it says son. And I've had a few women tell me before, why do you always say son? Because son has no gender in it, Right. So Father did not give holy breath to the Apostle Paul at that moment when he prayed. It was there, right? When I say it, I'm talking about holy breath. I'm talking about spirit. It was in him already. He just hadn't yet tapped in totally. Now He had some because he was beginning to do some mighty works and mighty teaching, but he just knew there was a hindrance still there all the time, and he needed that removed. So what did God do then? He revealed to him something. You know, if uh, normally if they, if you I don't know if I know a lot about your house or whatever, and you say you I I find you praying and God I need a I need a thimble. <laughs> you know I'm gonna sew and I don't want to hurt my finger. And you're asking God to give you a symbol, or you're asking me. You come to me and you say, Roy, would you mind finding a, a, going getting a thimble for me? And I'll say, Well, Norma, it's in your top right drawer in your sewing box. You already have one. So, you know, I know that's real simple, but that's kind of what it is. You, you already have it. So everything we've been praying and asking our Father for, if we would listen, we would hear him say, it's there. There's nothing left out. You know, I, that, I, I know I was a little proud of that, that cheesecake I made last week. It was fun making up a recipe. But if somebody would have come along in there uh, to me and said, well, Roy, well, you, you need this in there. So, no, it's all in there. It's all in there. Everything that's needed is in there. I don't need to put another thing in there. It's perfect already. Yep. How many of you took a bite of that? Is it perfect? It's lacking nothing whatsoever. And <laughs> there's a few people here that have it, so I'm about to make them one. And I did send the recipe out to a lot of people on the internet, but but it's all in there. And yet religiosity teaches you that it's not. And that's why I call it the great lie. We have believed the great lie. The great lie continues to be taught that you're lacking somewhere or you wouldn't be sick. You're lacking somewhere or you'd have all the money that you ever needed. You know, 
Well, the ones that usually have all the money they ever needed are the ones that have convinced you to give them all your money. (laughs) (laughs) And then they put themselves as an example. Look how blessed I am. I'm not mocking giving. I believe in giving. I do that. So, Father, reveal it to him. And and all of our teachings uh, and our books, Dr. K. Fairchild and I are, are doing the same thing. We're playing our part and revealing who all eternally are. That's our part. We're teaching you along with us as we learn, because I promise you, and I, I, I can speak for Kay because I've talked to Kay a lot. Over the years, and we've been together for a long time, over the years we have learned more and more and more of who we are. We didn't always know this in, in our conscious awareness, but there was a knowing inside. I, I, all my life as an adult, when I began to say, I always knew that I was created for more than this. I just didn't understand it. I didn't understand how to get it to work. And I kept wanting God to work it. Right? You know how you get it to work? You believe it, then you see it. You got to believe. Then you see it. So likewise, Father's love, grace, and forgiveness was not accomplished or given at the resurrection. Nothing was given to us it was all revealed to us. You can pray and you can ask to be saved all you want. And if you need that, that's fine. But nothing's going to be put in you when that happens. You already have it. You need, you need a ministry that can teach you who you are when you walk down. And I enjoy that. When we started doing that at Tree of Life and there were people wanted to get saved, we would have them come down and we would pray with them, but we would educate them right there. That all you're doing is you're coming down to accept who you already are. And you're coming down and saying, I want to follow what Jesus taught and who we are. So the fact that it always existed was revealed at the resurrection. It had never changed since the beginning from before the foundation of the world. So this makes people kind of shudder. It even causes people to gnash their teeth because these truths do a number on religious belief systems. And that's years ago at uh, Tree of Life when we were on 4th, 4th Street. I was talking about where the Bible talks about welling and gnashing of teeth. I watched a lot of my congregation, a congregation welling and gnashing. You know, just, ugh. You know, just, I can't, what? I believe this all my life? And then I've seen somebody kind of welling and crying because it just didn't fit the way we used It changed their prayer life, didn't it? My wife and a lot of my friends, and I'm sure you were, were really prayer warriors and knew how to bind a devil and rebuke a devil and, and all that. And all of a sudden we found out none of that was necessary. Rod, I know you all did. I did too. I used to get up and talk in that prayer language and just, I mean, it was, and I felt the anointing. And I, and I believe that God used us where we were at because we were God in the body, right? And people tapped into that and sometimes received real deliverances, but it wasn't permanent whatsoever. So it changes your prayer life. It changes your relationship with your father. And it should change your relationship with one another. Right? So everything the resurrection was about was to, was to bring a great revelation of truth to men. What we need to understand is that nothing needs to be accomplished in us. We've got to stop that. Because we still think there's something wrong, right? You know, I, uh, I'm joking about it, but I'm not. When ministers teach on Facebook live, or even when you guys put a post, what's the one thing that you do when you go look at it after a while? Did anybody like it? 
Did anybody, we go look for the comments, right? They condition us to do that. And so if you put a post on Facebook and day after day, nobody liked it and nobody put a comment, honestly, how do you feel? Most people, nobody's going to tell me. Heck with them. They don't love me anymore. Nobody's following me. Nobody cares, right? Yeah. And then these sermons we can put on there and uh, all of a sudden there's four, uh, two, three, four hundred people watching them every Sunday and it gets exciting. Sometimes one time in mine, I had a thousand watch one Sunday and that was, I got to go back to that sermon and preach that one again. <laughs> but then there comes time when all of a sudden, I was talking to Kay about it, all of a sudden you begin to see less and less sometimes. And then if you're, if you're, if you're getting a little insecure about that, then it's a problem, right? And you begin to think, uh-oh, something's wrong with me. They don't like what I'm teaching, so I need to change it. I'm just talking about how feelings can do that to you. And where the truth is, is sometimes people are busy. Sometimes it's a holiday. And all, and all of a sudden, sometimes, and they are now, there's a lot of preachers preaching truth today. Right? So it doesn't matter. But we're always trying to figure out how to please man and please God, and we don't need to please either. Just be who you be. It doesn't matter if there's five people watching you or 20 people watching you or millions of people. Your job is to hold out the bread and wine of truth and not, and, and not beckon people to come. If they want to come, they'll come. We used to teach everything we needed to make us whole was accomplished by the resurrection and that we need to obtain life, holiness, salvation, grace, and mercy by following and obeying certain rules and certain creeds. That's the way, and it's still taught today a lot. We thought our salvation was volatile. You remember that? That you could lose it. And depended on our perfect behavior, our ability to obey rules and regulations, so we were constantly asking for forgiveness over and over and over. So if you attempt to quit, quit something, you see, you see as a hindrance to you, you fail at it, you judge yourself, and then you condemn yourself. So it's a vicious cycle. Well, I need to quit this. Well, if you need to quit it, then you're going to fail. Because you don't need to quit it for God to love you. You may need to quit it for your health and for relationship, but not for God. And so literally you create a sin unto yourself. You, you create a mark missing unto yourself. Because when you say, I've got to quit eating ice cream so God will bless me. I've got to quit eating ice cream so I won't go to hell or whatever, then you deny who you are. And that's the sin. The mis mis mistaken identity, it's, it's a sin. If, in the truest sense of the word sin, it's a sin for me not to know who I really am. I've gone into people's homes, I've seen the way they live, and I say, that's a sin. You don't, I don't say that to them, but you don't have to live that way. It is so sad that there are people in San Francisco and in New York and at large areas where people are congregating out on the streets everywhere, depending on government, depending on the generosity of other people, unless they're just totally, but it's still, even if they're mentally ill, it's a sin. Yeah. It really is. I was with uh, my, my niece, Tamara, the other, uh, day before yesterday downtown. We went to the courthouse downtown. And we were walking down the street, going to the car, and I don't even think Tamara paid attention to it. But there was a homeless man there, and he was going through a trash can. 
and and I watched him because I was away from him and he was digging out cigarette butts, you know, because he was going to go smoking. And then he found a sack from some restaurant. He opened it up and he opened it up and there was a, a fourth of a piece of uh, a sandwich in there and other food. And he just began to eat it. And no telling how long it had been in there, but that's a sin. That's how I use the word sin. It's just a sin that you have to live that way when you don't have to. You really don't. And that's about as bad as what we do in the church. We go get dung and we eat it and think it's going to change our life and it's not. I shouldn't say the church and religiosity. So if you attempt to quit something again that's hindering you, then literally you create a sin under yourself. And you do that as if there were a particular sin to be removed to get God to love you. How do I know these things? Because I've done it. <laughs> and sometimes there's that thought that's still up there and I know how to cast down a vain imagination. I just say, that's a lie. That's a lie from the past. And I just say, flee, go away from me whatsoever. So the need is to stay in this constant communion and stay in this constant conversation with our I am, I am, or I exist, I exist. And the book, in the, in the Genesis where it says, I, I am that I am, it actually says, I exist, I exist. So I exist, I exist. We're the plural, right? So we need to be listening. If you want to do something, practice listening. That constant listening that leads to holy breath. Constantly listening for the voice of spirit all the time. Whatever you're doing, make sure you're listening. If you're going to go... Look at a car and go shopping for a car. Make sure you're listening, right? Yeah. Whatever you're doing, because it will lead you and guide you into paths of righteousness. It will lead you and guide you to the places where you can be at peace with all things. I can't tell you how many times, and I'm thankful that for a long time I've been able to listen to the voice of spirit, but I've just been driving down the street and I'll just hear something. And I'll think, I didn't know I want that, or I didn't, you know, or whatever, or, or I'll, there'll be something that I want that I would like to buy, and not that I can't afford it, but I'll be driving down the street, and it's, it's trash weekend where they pick up all the trash, and there it is, laying on top of somebody's trash can. Right, Carl? And I just say, thank you, Lord. I mean, I could tell you story after story like that. But that's, if you think you, you want me to tell you something you need to do to make your life better, practice listening. And let the Spirit of God guide you. I've heard many people as a pastor come and say, the Lord told me to do this. The Lord told me I could buy this car. The Lord, And it wasn't the Lord at all. It was ego. Mm-hmm. So we read earlier in 2 Timothy 1.10, but is now made manifest, which means revealed or brought to light. And that's what we're being used for. That's what we're being used for in this book. Is to these books is to reveal and bring to light that God never needed appeasement. Then it said, by the appearing of our Savior Jesus the Christ. How is he our Savior again? He rescued us from the Mosaic law. He rescued us from any law of doing to be. He rescued us from a false identity, and he rescued from our false perception of our Father. Correct? That's what he did. So Paul was writing to Timothy about something that was always true. But man lost their awareness of it, of it. Everything that man invents today was already tr- always true. 10,000 years ago, people could fly in an airplane. 
10,000 years ago, people could go into outer space. 10,000 years ago, people could go dive in water and stay in there for an hour or so. 10,000 years ago, people could have talked on cell phones. Oh, good. <laughs> huh? I'm, I'm telling you, there's nothing that we have, quote, invented today that wasn't always there. The ability. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> the ability. If somebody just tapped in to the mind of God, yeah. all things could have been invented. Mm-hmm. What happened? They forgot. Mm-hmm. There is proof that thousands of years ago, there were things that were used that are just been discovered today. Mm-hmm. Man has not always been like animals with no understanding whatsoever. So, man lost in his awareness. Joy, ma'am. Do you believe there's a certain time, though? Nope. You don't. Because God doesn't live in time. It's funny you said that because it's going to be in my notes a little while, in a little bit. There is no time with God. That's talk. That's dispensationalism, and we don't believe in dispensationalism. That this is the time that it, it wasn't for the people before. It's for all people, yeah. for everything. Healing, yeah. divine health was for all people. Divine provision was for all people. God put in men before time began to change us that we had all things that pertain to life and godliness. There is no dispensationalism with that. So we're just slow learners. Slow learners. <laughs> man forgot. Kay, Kay said it, and I believe it. Man came, was born with a sense of uh, amnesia. And their parents had amnesia, so their parents couldn't teach them who they were. And so, so, and then we went to places that kept concur- confirming the lie, like hospitals, doctor's offices, banks, right? Not, not that they're doing it on purpose, but doctor's offices and the medical industry is to deal with sickness and disease. That's, but it's a lie. We don't have sickness and disease. We allow sickness and disease to come into us. Our society is living ego, very ego and greedy and they're putting all the GMOs and things. They're putting, you know, they're, they're greedy about how they want uh, the chickens. And now if you go get a chicken, it's, uh, if you ever get a breast that big, it's, it's got hormones in it. Because chicken breasts should be about that thin. Mm-hmm. If you're eating one that's not filled with hormones and all that. And then some of my friends say we shouldn't be eating meat at all. They say the word meat in the Bible and I, it said seeds. But, you know, I don't know. I'm not arguing with that. Some people can eat meat. Some people can't. You know, and I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying that if so, if something is hidden, if something's hidden to you, it's not hidden from you. It's hidden to you. It's because you need more light to find it, which would, again, reveal it to you. You know, I can see very good. I have my new uh, what are they called? The lenses for symphony, symphony lenses when they did that. And I can see wonderful. But when there's a little bitty font, I need light. It's yeah. not, I don't need so much bifocals. I need light. And so when I light that font up, I can see it. You know, and we don't have to look through a glass darkly anymore. We have light. Correct? We can see truth. So what needed revealing was not hidden by Father, nor did Father have a certain time to reveal it. See there? You'd ask it just in time. <laughs> Father, Father didn't need a certain time to reveal more and more truth to man. And again, that would be dispensationalism. So all that needed to be revealed was revealed in the resurrection. And that's why I say Jesus, there have been many uh, master teachers before Jesus, but none like Jesus. 
None died and entered into the death that, that the societal system wanted like Jesus did. None taught like Jesus did. Did Jesus learn from other people? Whether he did or not, it doesn't matter. I believe he did. I believe he was protected from the Jewish system. But he was the great master and he taught the truth. So Father equipped him and Father continues to equip comforter teachers to help us wake up. And they are being awakened themselves. And so it's eternal truths. It's not new truths. It's not something God said, okay, there's a group of people out there that are really getting smart now, so let's open the book a little bit more to them. It's already there. Where's it at? It's already in you. So in the book of Revelation, it says time is no more. Brother Garner said that means the, the, uh, the throttle is in your hands. What's a throttle? It's, it's how you, you know, they used to have this throttle and they'd push it and go faster and faster. You can go as fast as you want because the, the only hindrances is your unwillingness, right, to study to show yourself approved or being willing to feed, being willing to set. Like years ago, we used to do uh, mainly audio lessons that people listen to because everybody said nobody's going to sit down for 30, 40 minutes or an hour and listen or watch a video. Well, today, the majority of people want the video. Now they are because they're willing. They're tapping in. They're hearing truth that's making them free, and they're willing to watch it and listen to it. And yeah, we have the podcast too, and I'm doing my best to keep them up. I'm not that far behind. But we, we, we do. We have to be very few people today are willing to sit down and listen and hear a comforter teacher because they still want the entertainment. They want the music. They want somebody to watch their children. They want the Sunday school classes. They want the deliverance ministry. They still want that stuff. I know people that know the truth that I've shared it with and they like it, but they still keep on going to those systems. So that's okay. You can have what you want. I want it all. I want to go all the way. I want to learn everything I can to help make people free because that's my mandate on my life is to hold the bread and wine out to people. So again, what needed revealing was not hidden. Father never hid anything from you. <clears throat> so many people <clears throat> were taught. <clears throat> there were various dispensations where Father revealed the truth in varying levels of understanding. And each dispensation, their light would get greater and greater. Well, the, again, the light's always been there, right? We are the light of the world, but it's just my ability to open my, my, my eyes to see. And what, what I've got to do is I've got to free myself from that which hinders me from doing it. One of them is I don't have time. <clears throat> Correct? Mm -hmm. I know Father pushed me into the supernatural for many, many years. A lot of people won't understand it, and I've talked about it a lot but when father told me what he was going to do it was I couldn't stop I began to type and type and write and study and feed and seven eight hours a day all the time and up in the late in the night and I couldn't stop it and I enjoyed it and working my full-time job and doing Donna's duties she wanted me to do for her all the time and lots of time and more time and <laughs> no but, but if I printed everything out that I wrote over those years, it would fill up a pretty good-sized library. And you know what? I'm, I'm saying that because today, if God spoke to me and said, Roy, I want you to write 85 books, and I want you to write them on the book of Genesis, which is hundreds and hundreds of pages, and I would say, Father, I don't have time. 
I would. You know, if I just heard that's well, but if I just get involved in what Father wants me to do and just do it, don't worry about time, you'd be surprised what can happen in your life. And that can apply to your day-to-day life, everything. So for an example here, we know that Enoch and Elijah knew things way back in their age. Knew things that we don't know yet even. Had great understanding. What was decreed and declared is not bound by time limits or time appointments. It's eternal. Does that answer your question? It's not bound by time. We're the only ones that can hinder it. The word dispensation is like a, I think Kay said this, is like a ketchup bottle. It's a dispenser, right? There's ketchup in the, inside that bottle, but you have to shake it and it dispenses. The more you shake it, the more it comes out. So the word dispense is much better. So what has gone on throughout time, it's a dispensing of the gospel. It's a, it's a, it's a dispensing through man. It's man been, a, been a willing to give it out and give the truth out. And it's through people who are awakened. And do you think God wakens you up? I, I, think, I think you come to the end, really. I don't think God just says, okay, let's wake Norma up. She's ready. But I think the very spirit of God is, is in the breath of God and the knowledge of God is in us. And as we become ready, then it's released. Correct? I don't want to be gross, and I don't think this is gross, but you have a bladder inside of you and you have a kidney and it, it, it's where the water comes out, of, liquid comes out of your body, the toxins, right? And it's there, but it's up to you to dispense it. Mm-hmm. Unless there's something wrong with you. <laughs> and then you're just going to dispense it anytime you cough. <laughs> the women understand that. Men do too, though, don't they? <laughs> but see, so it's there, but you, you've got to be willing. And see, sometimes there's a prompting in your body that you need to go dispense, right? Well, there's sometimes there's a prompting in you that you need to dispense the word of truth. Yes. And that's when you listen to the voice of spirit. You'll hear a prompting, what does this mean? What does that mean? And you, really, you need to go in and study and open your word and listen to the Father and allow that to dispense out of that so you can dispense it to the world. So there, there was never a need for Jesus to die on the cross, never a need for Jesus' blood to be shed, never a need for Jesus to be beaten or anything. That was the Jewish system of that day that did that to him. They hated him. And so did uh, they, they caused the Romans to hate him too. So Father was always unwavering about his purpose, his plan, his grace before the foundation of the world. And it was, it was man who was dense in understanding. It was man who was tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, and I talked about this a week or so ago, but to the point that they became impenetrable, nothing could get through to them. So when Jesus came, they were impenetrable. He wanted to come and teach truth, but he spent most of his time healing them, bringing them back to the right minds, dealing with religion, being fought. Always people who want to come drain the swamp. They want to come and drain the swamp of religiosity, of the political system, of the financial system, of, of the met, all of it. They're always rejected and they're always fought, mm-hmm. right? Because they're man whose breath in his nostrils wants to control people and they're familiar and this is the way we've always done it and we can't change. And they can. Mm-hmm. 
So Father's eternal sameness, which is his actions, his attitude, his activity toward man never changed whatsoever. The way God looks at you has never changed. He sees you from the end, end from, the be, from the beginning. He sees you today just the way you were when he created you before the foundation of the world. He sees you the same way. So the testimony of the Lord was that God never deviated one bit from his goodness throughout all the history of mankind. Anything contrary to that is nothing but a false concept. It's a false idol that, never, that was never God. And that's why I like when I finally found that and looked at that in Isaiah, where God said, you, you sacrifice to me? You think that's me? You, offer, you give offerings to me? In other words, he's saying, that's not me. That's some kind of false god. And so literally we, religiosity, has offered to a false god or a false concept or a false perception. And that's why people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Not that there is no knowledge, but that thou hast rejected knowledge. No, you can't tell me that God loves everyone. I know God and God's an angry God and a mean God. A guy told me the other day that he's been listening to me on Facebook. I called him and talked to him. And he said, I'll never forget that sermon when you was preaching a long time ago. And you told about when you guys put a sign up in front of your church that said, God's not mad at you. And you said a day later, somebody put a big box across the street and wrote, God is mad as hell at you and put all the scriptures on there. And that night a rainstorm came and washed it down and it flooded and laid down in our garden in front of our church. It, it brought that devil to its knees. <laughs> that, 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 that daggone God. <laughs> They gone. But isn't that sad? And I believe every, I believe in every system of this earth, God is raising up people to drain the swamp. It is a swamp. It's a swamp. And Isaiah, when it talked about Lucifer, which was Adam, and it said he brought him to the pit, that choice. And people accepting the choice. They didn't have to accept it, but they accepted that false identity. Death passed on to all men, but they didn't have to accept it. He brought them down to the pit. A pit is a swamp, and they couldn't get out. There are people in swamps today that can't get out. But I'm telling you, there's a people on the earth that's rise up that's going to say, here, rise up. But boy, they're going to fight it. And I still say, we must stand up. And for every system, we must stand up for comfort our teachers. And they're not always in the church. They're not always preaching the gospel, but they're preaching righteousness. They're preaching doing things right. And you may not like them. People don't like me. I've lost most of my lifetime friends. They, they still call me friends. I still see them, but they won't come listen. They won't hear a thing that I teach. But you know what? I'm just going to, the truth is marching on. And if you don't want to hear the truth, then we're just going to march on and say next. So I'm closing here pretty quick, but we know Isaiah 53 talks about the fact that Jesus went to the cross. We've been taught that a lot. Brother Garner taught it a lot. Uh, Often in our teachings, we use verse 4. And it says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. And the key thing that Kay pointed out is we esteemed him that way. God didn't. We just assume that, oh, oh, well, yeah, he was stricken of God. He was smitten of God. He was, no, it said we esteem him. That's King James Version. That's not translated. So the way verse 4 is written, it is clear the writer believed in penal substitution. 
Isaiah believed in penal substitution. When, when, he, when he saw a, a spiritual uh, uh, vision or a picture, whatever, and he saw Jesus on the cross and he saw all that, he thought God did that. But I'm glad he wrote, we esteemed it. We, we believed it to be that way. Isaiah thought God was angry and man at man, right? And we pointed out last week or week before, so he spent all of his life saying, whoa, 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 and all of a sudden, a messenger came. It wasn't an angel for somebody. It was somebody to kind of like Jesus came to him and said, Isaiah, let me explain something to you because that's what it means by putting a coal on his lip. It's a fire. It's a word of God. And it changed his understanding. And from then on, what did he say? Holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is full of God's glory. That's a big change, isn't it? Has your story been changed? A lot. So Jesus was not stricken or smitten by an angry God uh, at whatsoever. Jesus declared himself to be son of God. And so they said he must die. And John 12, 32, we can read now the judgment of the world has come. Well, that's talking about the judgment of the world. The, the world's judgment was. If you break a law, which I guess I did. I didn't think anything was wrong with it. But when I turned uh, uh, turned right and I swerved into the inside lane, I broke a law. And there was a judgment given to me right then. They wrote a ticket. Now, I could have gone to court and pled my case, but there was a law. I looked it up. There's a law. When you turn, you stay in that lane at least 100 yards before you turn your turn signal and go into the other lane. And people do it all the time. They break the law all the time. But if I would have said, you know what? That's not fair. I'm going to go before a judge. What am I wanting him to do? Judge for me. But he would judge against me because I was under the law. Yeah. Right? <clears throat> the world keeps putting ill judgments on us. Don't receive it. Let it pass. The stuff that's been put in your brain for many, many years, let it pass. Paul said, casting down vain imaginations. What's a vain imagination? God's mad at me. God's not blessing me. I need God to bless me more. I need God to give me a husband. I need God to give me a wife. All that stuff, when you use the word need, you're anti-holy breath of God in your life. You're anti what God said about you. You don't need anything. If you want to say you need something, I need a greater awareness of what I already have. So as we progress in this greater understanding and possess the light of the resurrection, which was Jesus and Jesus appearing, what we'll see that revelation of the truth of an unchanging God will come to us more and more and more. And next week we can, we're going to look at uh, chapter, uh, Isaiah chapter 54, and it's a prophetic expression of resurrection life. It's a prophetic expression of eternal covenant, not old covenant. As Kay said not too long ago, there is no old covenant or new covenant. Why would there need to be a new covenant when God never changes? You ever thought about that? You know, there's this old covenant in the New Testament, and all of a sudden Jesus comes and he gives us a new covenant. Well, why would God give him a bad covenant in the beginning? It never was a bad covenant. It's an eternal covenant. Because man messed it up, Roy. Man changed it. But God, God decreed, declared, and decided from the foundation of the world. And it says, Father God made man in resemblance, just like him. And then he made us master of the earth. 
and he told us to rule and reign and tent. that's his judgment and it never ever changed and God said this is my child right here and, and when he when Jesus was born he was showing us this is my child in him I am well, he said, well, pleased," but he was saying, I am. And you could say, I'm well pleased to be in man. And Jesus was showing us, this is who you are. You're just like I am. So father does not uh, uh, live nor is confound by the realm of awareness of time. And again, we shouldn't be either. And I like what Kay said in here, the new covenant. If you want to have a new covenant, it's called a new expectation. The Old Testament had a false expectation that came from religiosity, right? Mm -hmm. After Jesus came to reveal what he revealed, we should have a new expectation. We should, man should have said, oh, we don't have to live that way anymore. We don't have to relate that way anymore with God. We've always been loved by, with our Father. So he protected us. He created us whole. He created us pure. He created us holy. He created us spotly, spotlessly before time began to affect man, and we still are today. So just let time go, except for when you need to be here at 10 o'clock next Sunday. Okay. <laughs> so bless you. I know you've heard a lot of this, but I hope you're hearing it in a greater light. You should be. I am. And it's, we're just going to continue to bless you with this. So we love you. Those on Facebook, thank you very much for being here. By Kay, there's Beverly. Love you guys very much. Talk to you soon.